We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Borderware NFL Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And join alongside me, as always, is Jake Letarski at Roto Jake. Week two is in the books, and of course, we have tons of injuries to mm-hmm. recap. Really, tons of injuries just specifically to the quarterback position alone. Mm-hmm. Before we get to that and dive into the pickups and fab guys that you need to target, sorry, free agent bid acquisitions before <laughs> I get corrected by you over there, let's talk about the Monday night game and recap what, frankly, was going to be a stinker and we knew it was going to be a stinker mm-hmm. ever since last week when Sam Darnold was out with myonucleosis. Uh, Did you ever have the kissing disease? Uh, no, I, I never have that. <laughs> I, hope, uh, I hope I'm going to be okay. Oh <laughs> well, you can you can avoid that. I mean, you, I guess you can, can avoid that. Here. Yeah, yeah okay. you hope you're okay. Fair are, enough. You, are you worried that you're? Contagious? Is there is there a vaccine for that or like I don't know? Everybody's getting sick around me, and I, I guess that was a dumb reaction to that originally. But uh, I don't know. My my dad said he had it once as a kid, and it was the worst. And I can imagine it's the worst. But uh, something that has never happened to me. I had a roommate. Uh, well, yeah, I had a roommate in college. I don't think we were actually roommates at the time, but um, a, a close friend in college who did, and and a super great athlete, like one of those people that 
literally can do, pick up any sport and be one of the best at every mm-hmm. time. Like, he's just one of those people. And he was completely shut down by mono for like four or five months. Uh, couldn't get to class. Couldn't what, do any of that like, stuff. It what just, are the preventative measures for that? Uh, like, 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 don't black out and make out with people because well, I think I those mean, years are are just a little bit over for me. But right. you know, every once in a you while, can't, you, 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 I can't, can't write it off. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm one of those I'll try anything twice kind of guys. You know, and and uh, you know, I did do a, a study on it in seventh grade for a, a study on class. it. No. Yeah, so I did do it. You know, studying on it. Uh, yeah, and I could not tell you anything. All right, ladies, line up. I, we got to do this study. I couldn't tell you. You're, you're a smarter seventh grader than I pegged you for. Well, okay. I, I I did have my days. That's that's true. Anyway, Sam Darnold. The, the, the Sam Darnold was out. So we have Trevor Simeon in uh, the Northwestern product who has been a, a – it feels like a backup now for a couple of seasons. Did you see the hit that knocked him out, like Miles Garrett landing on him? That was the first, oh, gross injury of 2019 in my opinion. Okay, see, I, I didn't see that specific injury. I subbed in a softball game and that lasted about the first half. And then I saw the Odell Beckham catch and I was like, okay, yeah. I don't really need to see anything else from the first half. But I guess, yes, that hit is something that, that I do need to look up that here. was the That was um, the first, oh, shit. This is this guy's this guy's in trouble injury. I was going to say a different word that starts with an F. Uh, and he walked <laughs> off. He walked off the field, and I'm like, my God, I have a hangnail, and I can't work for three days in the office. And he had his his left ankle over in the stands after getting <laughs> crunched by Miles Garrett, and he walks off the field. Now we found out today he's going to be out for the season. That should mm-hmm. be no surprise whatsoever to anybody that saw it. But the fact that he was able to limp off. And have like his legs intact after the hit was incredible to me. Yeah, I think he's, some of it's shock, probably. Like literally, you're in shock, so you just kind of walk off because that's what you think you're supposed to do. Um, also, Miles Garrett's a monster, man. That's one, yeah. one of the last guys I want to get hit. And by. he 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 got a 15 yard penalty from the hit, and it was probably warranted. I think he got two mm-hmm. throughout the game, and both were like, okay, Miles, you, you probably could let up a little bit. It mm-hmm. reminded me a little bit of Anthony Barr landing on Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, yep. and when he he broke his shoulder, uh, his mm-hmm. shoulder, obviously. Williams isn't even their defensive coordinator anymore, <laughs> and, and he's still going right, nuts. So still... apparently, some of those lessons really, uh, re- really rubbed off. Well, that was the thing, and and again, there's going to be a lot of talk about the quarterbacks to pick up because there's so many different quarterback injuries overall. Other than that, there's not a lot to discuss for free agent pickups that you need to go out and acquire. So I'm fine spending a little bit of time talking about just mm-hmm. how dysfunctional both the Jets and Dolphins are in the AFC yeah. East. You had a dead spin headline that uh, yeah. from the Jets, right? What was it? I, I love it. It's, it. I saw that this morning. Someone texted me. It actually just said Greg Williams sure looks like a big stupid dumbass this morning uh, because Odell Beckham went out and he had a game and that's one of my big takeaways from this like if you were worried about Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield after week one uh, I think you're going to be okay now the Jets aren't a good team but they're a defense that I've got some respect for I think they're a formidable defense they're not going to be a great fantasy defense because uh, I mean their offense is going to be able to score and they're going to be expected to maybe do too much but like on paper they have they have talented guys and are going to be able to stop some people it's a defense I thought was good and uh, the Browns I had I I did one league where I had uh, Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield and because I figure I'll start them both every week and you know one or the other is going to be going to be able to carry me they both did pretty well and I'm pretty confident in those guys being okay Odell Beckham looks like he's a guy that is going to be able to carry Baker Mayfield even if he struggles has a bad day with turnovers even if he's not feeling dangerous on a particular evening uh, he's got the cast around him that's going to be fine so I'm less worried about our cover boy after week two than I am after week one that's for sure I don't want to out you and your knowledge of the New York Jets defense but what 
exactly were you excited about? Like Curtis Mosley was out. They had, uh, he was out ruled out on Saturday. Um, the, the Quinn and Williams, they drafted number three overall. He was also mm-hmm. ruled out too. Tremaine Johnson was literally sitting on the bench for half Fair the enough. game. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought of the injuries. You know, I, you know, I look at, you know, the secondary anchor by Jamal Adams, CJ Mosley being hurt. That's, that's a real big thing. So I guess maybe not, uh, did I call him Curtis Mosley? Did you call him Curtis? Is his real name Curtis? What does the no, CJ stand for? I think it's for? CJ. No, no, no. I mean, I think CJ you're... is his name, but the CJ stands for something, right? Um, Curtis James Mosley? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that would make me sound way smarter than I actually was. That <laughs> yeah. was not intentional. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly. So, yeah, I guess going in, going into the year, I was optimistic about the Jets' defense. Maybe not in this particular instance. Yeah. Uh, the Browns maybe should have done better, I guess, in that case. But, uh, well, yeah, I, know, I don't know. In any case, on... I respect the system and, 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 and the players that are on it, for the most part, when they're healthy. Odell's touchdown was an 89-yard scamper, and Baker maybe mm-hmm. threw it 10 yards. The, and people are like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to be mm-hmm. dismissive of Baker Mayfield and Odell because the Jets' defense was so bad. And to be fair, it looked like they were running punt coverage. Like there was a clip afterwards of Odell's <laughs> before he caught the pass, and they were very discombobulated. And it looked like there was a returner out there and maybe some gunners on the left side. Oh, Nobody was literally covering Odell. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a broken okay. play. But that's kind of why we're targeting Baker Mayfield, why we liked him so much, mm-hmm. and why Odell was a first-round consideration receiver. Mm-hmm. The explosiveness that can happen from that offense, whether it be Nick Chubb, Odell, Baker, mm-hmm. that's why you look at those guys. And there was the one-handed catch in the first half. Yes. Okay, And then there's the fact that, who knows, maybe they hook up again if he didn't have the visor problems that kind of that they had to leave the field and get his helmet visor replaced. So it's third and goal, and he's in your best receiving weapon. Possibly your best red zone weapon isn't out there. So the, you know that's an issue, too. I guess that's another storyline from the game so i who knows what could have happened there it could have been better it's one play but it is what it is uh those guys you know i'm feeling okay about them nick chubb very effective when not getting vultured by Dontrell Hillard, who didn't even get a carry in this game. Weird. Um but yeah the Browns weapons are going to be fine and, and he was and I'm, not, I'm not gonna too. yeah that was a bigger thing that Chubb was mm-hmm. going to be as a bit more of a receiving option. They had a nifty little screenplay that used as well, too, where they had the tight end motion on the left side, and then Chubb, frankly, didn't use his blocks as well as he could have and, and could have went longer. I've been in love with Nick Chubb, maybe not to the extent that some of the other people at Rotoware have been, but the talent is certainly there, and I think you could have probably had a bit of a buy low if you were trying to trade yeah. for him last week, and I don't know if that's Nick the case Chubb is now. the reason I don't have any Delvin Cook shares, because yeah. when I was sitting in the 8, 9, 10 positions in the draft, I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to have to take Delvin Cook here. This will be my league where I get it, but and like the couple times that happened, Nick Chubb fell to me, and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I'm sad about not having any Delvin Cook shares, but um, now I feel better about it. At least now that Nick Chubb has a pretty good game under his belt. I have one Delvin Cook share, and it was exactly the same scenario where Chubb was taken before me. So I was like, "All right." Might as well, mm-hmm. and it was over some of the receivers um, that could have been taken around that area too. And we we'll get to maybe a little bit more of Delvin Cook and the Vikings and Packers uh, because I was at the game and happy to see the Packers get another win, another divisional oh, victory. Uh, before we do that, and before we really dive into the quarterbacks, which will probably be the the main portion of today's podcast, let's get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo DFS. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. Yahoo offers large contests with thousands of dollars up for grabs and no management fee, meaning more money goes back to you, the player. Players. Yahoo also limits many of their G- GPP tournaments to a 10 entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. If you're just getting started with daily fantasy football, join the free to enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season long prizes are available. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get Ooh. started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right. Before we dive into the quarterbacks and running backs, just again, a quick reminder 
these recommendations are going to be based on like 12 team leagues, a hundred dollar waiver fab budget, uh, mm-hmm. that you can be kind of assuming. And then the ownership percentages are based on our, our sponsors, Yahoo, uh, Yahoo. And we try to feature players that are around 50% owned mm-hmm. or less. Yes. Um, today, this show in particular though, there's always a position that seems to dominate the waiver wire yes. show and this one because of all the energy injuries, all the carnage week one, it was wide receivers. Obviously there was just a uh, stable of wide receivers that you could have added that we would have advised spending money on this week. It seems to be all quarterbacks because of the big Ben injuries the Drew Brees injuries and there's a lot of guys we're going to get to but uh, also I want to talk a little bit I want to remember to talk with these guys like in a two quarterback league what's your fab budget on because those are some interesting ones and there are guys that you might be able to get for free in a, in a 12 team standard redraft but could cost you a quarter of your budget in a two quarterback league because of just how it's set up guys that you'd never expect to own at the beginning of the season but due to injury are uh, thrusted into prominence here so uh, I guess with that uh, we'll focus less on streamers this week and more on the two quarterback guys though uh, we'll, we'll try to work in the stream possibility a little bit yeah we talked about Josh Allen Derek Carr streamers last week Allen was pretty darn effective I used him in DFS and had some success mm-hmm. against the Giants that was a pretty obvious t- target at least for me also in in gambling terms just going after the bills over the morbid giants offense we talked Mm -hmm. about the receivers last week john ross tara mclaurin marquise brown uh you could have thrown dj chark in there frankly all of them did pretty well I wonder if it's going to be a similar situation for all the quarterbacks that we're now discussing this week. I think we have to first start with Mason Rudolph, who, if you are looking for a QB for the rest of the season, and frankly, Andrew Luck owners, early Andrew Luck owners, are probably really salivating Mm -hmm. over all the injuries that have occurred throughout two weeks. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be out for the season with an elbow surgery. First time I think he's missing um, a season Mm -hmm. now in his entire career. He's obviously missed a few games. I mean, he's lived in a walking boot his entire career, but once the <laughs> elbow goes, then then it's you can't tough it out anymore. I, I don't know the exact injury. I, I didn't jot that down, but I've seen similar to a Tommy John, like a baseball pitcher. Yeah, so we have Mason Rudolph now stepping in. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater is also going to have an extended run as the starting quarterback, we at least assume, for the Saints. And maybe there's some Taysom Hill action that mm-hmm. occurs later on. Drew Brees will be out uh, a minimum of six weeks. It sounds with like a torn ligament in his thumb. He literally could not pick up the football. Mm-hmm. On the sidelines. Yep, he went the to the sidelines, tried to grip it, was like, nope. And then, yeah, then you know something's a problem. We have uh, Cam Newton not practicing. He obviously looked completely and utterly incompetent on Thursday. I've been saying now for a while that the, the quarterback position in Carolina and certainly Cam Newton just has not looked right. And this has not been a, mm-hmm. oh, this happened just this week thing. It's been yeah. for a few seasons. Cam Newton, man, I was not specifically targeting Cam Newton, but I got him as a $2 bid in one auction, uh-huh. and I was so happy about it. I was like, well, I didn't really want him, but I don't have to pay 7 $8 for him. If I can only pay 2 I'm fine. And now I'm like, ooh, I didn't take a backup quarterback. I'm going to need to go bid on one. And in my NFFC uh, Rotoware Online Championship, I kind of fell into Cam Newton, didn't want him. I wrote the article about it, was disappointed that I couldn't get Lamar Jackson one round later because I was trying to be too cute with my round picks. and. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like the season's done, and and Cam hasn't even been ruled out yet. But it seems like they're they're being a little bit worried about. It. So Will Greer steps into play. We have Luke Falk now as the third string quarterback for the Jets. Trevor Simeon out for the season. Sam Darnold out for an extended time. And Eli Manning's been benched, so Daniel Jones comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's There's the biggest five story. players. Yep. Five players that are going to be playing that uh, potentially could be playing. I guess Will Greer might not exactly be out there, but five players that aren't normal normally starting quarterbacks that are going to be in there for not just this week, but perhaps for an extended amount of time, if not for the whole season. 
Yeah, I expect several of these guys to go through the whole year. And I don't know. Why don't we start with Daniel Jones? Just because that was the news that I didn't necessarily expect this morning. You should. I, have. Uh, I know. The, <laughs> I guess I should have. Yeah, the coach, the coach, and whatnot were necessarily committed to Eli Manning as a starter. That was pretty clear all along. Daniel Jones is three percent owned in Yahoo leagues, so chances are you can get him in your two quarterback and your single quarterback leagues if you want them. He gets the start against Tampa Bay this week, so I mean, decent matchup. Even though Cam Newton couldn't necessarily take uh, advantage of that. Um, you know, it was a pretty decent matchup, and I'm calling up here his schedule for the next couple of weeks. I'm just lagging a slight bit there. But uh, then we've got Washington at home, Minnesota at home, at New England, Arizona at home. So it's a little bit of a tough run after Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay is, uh, let's see, we got a guy at fifth, and then you've got uh, Washington 29th against opposing quarterbacks, uh, Minnesota 17th against opposing quarterbacks. So uh, it's tough, though, because those are after a very short sample size. In general, um, I kind of like Daniel Jones as my number two. There's one guy I like a little bit better. Um, you know, if you look back to the preseason, I, I rank quarterbacks with a minimum of 35 dropbacks and use the pro football focus grades. Daniel Jones was number four, so that was interesting to me. I mean, he at least was graded well, and he you kind of saw that from the eye test as well. Mm-hmm. He was he was hitting his guys um, in in the preseason and, and and being overall pretty effective. So he's definitely a quarterback I could see. Um, in you know, in your standard 12 team league, you probably only need to spend a buck or two if you really want. Tim in your two quarterback league uh, I suggested there are some guys that I'd go a quarter of your budget on but for me he seems to be like a 15 to 18 dollar player tops in that type of format with so many players also hitting the starting quarterback potential at the same time if you are in a two QB or flex league you have to identify a which which people mm-hmm. your league seems to like more but you could probably get any one of these guys on a discount because they're all coming at the same time mm-hmm. exactly and, and while there might be a lot of people that are in need of quarterbacks like Eli Manning he probably wasn't even starting in a two QB or super flex league. Like that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, if you start 24 quarterbacks in that league, he's not a top 24 right. quarterback. Trevor so. Simeon wouldn't have fit in that category either. Both uh, Drew mm-hmm. Brees and Ben Roethlisberger were at least rated pretty low at, at, here at HQ at Rotoware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if around around America they were quite valued as lowly, but at ADP least they should was, have been. Like, a, those, are, those are two guys where ADP, the consensus, differed very much from where we ranked these guys at Rotoware. Right. Like we had Brees outside our top 220, or our top 20 excuse me and he was a top 10 quarterback by most adp standards i saw him as high as seven or eight so uh i don't know a lot of people like to of course it's an injury thing here but a lot of people like to harp on those rankings and hopefully uh you use those rankings and and missed out on getting drew Brees, and hopefully that helped indirectly uh but yeah in in any case these are guys we were low on but these are guys that have name recognition established Mm -hmm. veterans across the league with a decent amount of weapons that were going to be owned i mean almost 100 percent across the board all of this to say I think Daniel Jones might not be a bad pickup. And I was one of the Mm -hmm. many, 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 many people in America that were bashing the Giants for taking number six overall. And make no mistake, it was a reach, and I will continue to say that. Even if he plays well, I will continue to say it's a reach, and and I'm fine owning the loss that happens, frankly, because I'm kind of rooting for Giants fans in this sense. I know Chris Liss in whatever Portugal real estate hotel place that he was able to get is is doing laps now uh, in the fact that Eli Manning's been benched. I think this is going to be okay. My only concern with Daniel Jones is the sheer lack of 
pass catchers that they have, right? Golden Tate's still going to be out two more weeks. We know that uh, Sterling Shepard has been limited by either concussion or mm. broken finger. Cody Latimer didn't play last week at all. They already have Corey Coleman on injured reserve. Darius Slayton was injured as well. Like when your top receivers are Benny Fowler and Russell Shepard, I just don't know how effective of a quarterback you can be. The defense mm-hmm. isn't great at all either for the Giants and the offensive line is still have some question marks. Yeah. Saquon Barkley's mm-hmm. amazing, but these are the realistic problems that you you have with a pass catching core for the Giants as bad as they are well the defense not being great even if you have kind of crappy weapons on offense the defense not being great seems to bode well for Daniel Jones you assume he's going to be thrown for the majority of the second half in most of these games and a lot of these are going to be little dump offs to Saquon Barkley where he does his thing that gets you quarterback stats and you know 200 yards and two touchdowns is like a, a floor in 2019 for NFL quarterbacks but I think he hits that plenty of times here so i'd go for it now there are a couple matchups that i don't particularly like but this week against tampa bay is fine against washington the week after is fine that minnesota new england stretch i might be looking for a different streamer and then he's back to arizona who i love streaming quarterbacks against so uh so there we are i mean he's he's a perfectly acceptable quarterback someone that you could start if you're really in a pinch in a single quarterback league so like i'm in two different 12 team leagues and one of them Everyone's got to have two quarterbacks, sometimes three, hang on yeah. no matter what. So like going after a Josh Allen at 40% or a Mitch Trubisky or, or that type of you tier of quarterback. You can't kick Trubisky, can you? Uh, no, I can't. I can't <laughs> kick him. But but those guys, what I'm saying is those guys aren't available because everyone's got to start a guy. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here trying to hang on to running backs, receivers that I see with a little bit of upside. And if I've got a top five quarterback, I don't even worry about it. So, But what I'm saying is some leagues, those guys are available and some leagues, they're not. And as a result, I'm going to be bidding on the Daniel Jones and the Mason Rudolphs and the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world, who we'll all get to in a little bit. I think we've harped Daniel Jones maybe enough, unless you well, got anything the, else to the add The Redskins' on him. defense next week I get, but I do want to push back on the idea just slightly that the Buccaneers' defense is one I want to target. Now, Cam Newton looked awful mm-hmm. because Cam Newton was bad. That wasn't so much the Buccaneers' defense, and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore had multiple opportunities to capitalize on space mm-hmm. and coverage. But I think the interior pressure for the Buccaneers is good, and and I think they, mm-hmm. they can get some pass rush on the Giants, which is going to limit Daniel Jones a little bit. This isn't the Buccaneers' defense of really the past decade mm-hmm. now. No, I Gerald think this McCoy is, is what I think to immediately, yeah, kind of as that anchor in that 3-4. And, and that's fine. I, I, I totally get I just thought that they... They were able to they were able to get some pass rush on Cam Newton and make his life in the pocket a little bit more uncomfortable. And I wonder if that's going to be an issue for Daniel Jones moving forward. I do believe in the, this first this first game thing where everyone's like, all right, let's go target the rookie in his first. No, in in NFL today, I feel like the coaches make it really easy for that quarterback in his in his first start to have success. They want to build that confidence. So I'm not ready to say, oh yeah, this is going to be a great situation for the Buccaneers defense. I just don't know if this is exactly like, all right, he's going to go for 300 yards and two touchdowns. I just don't see that happening whatsoever. I mean, I noticed we didn't put Tampa Bay on our streamers list for this week, and they're only 1% owned. Well, that's probably because the news just surfaced probably four or five hours ago before this mm-hmm. podcast. So I, I wonder if Jerry probably changes that around uh, when it gets to be a little bit. Oh, I'm talking like us streamers, the ones that we put at oh, the bottom. Well, of our yeah, podcast that's here. yeah, that's true, and that's that's maybe because I was the one uh, finishing the end of the rundown there. So I was, mm-hmm. I was suggesting that, and it's it's. It's possible that you go for the Buccaneers. I, I mm-hmm. could get that. Um, I'm just I'm being a little bit mindful. Let's move over to another quarterback here. I don't know. Do you want to go with Mason Rudolph or Teddy Bridgewater? Because there's probably a 10 minute conversation for either one, frankly. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump to Mason Rudolph only because I have him number one this week. If I had to rank the three of them, it's Mason Rudolph, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater, and then you can put your Will Greer, Luke Falk, whatever, anybody else. I'd rather have Josh Allen than any of them, probably. Uh, but he's about given he's just about approaching our thresholds around 50%. Yep. So uh, we'll, we'll just we'll throw him out for now, depending on that. I, I'd 
put Rudolph Jones and Bridgewater probably ahead of Gardner Minshew as well uh, for the upcoming ranking here. But uh, a couple of reasons I like Mason Rudolph. Um, okay, first off, you know that he's got the job the rest of the season. It's Big Ben. I don't trust the Giants organization to not waver on that decision at some point be, just because it's grossly mismanaged. <laughs> and uh, so we know Mason Rudolph has the reins for the rest of the year. Um, while Daniel Jones looked good in the preseason, Mason Rudolph actually looked a little bit better in the preseason. I was, I was again, I alluded to the pro football focus stats a little bit earlier. 67 quarterbacks had 35, more, or 35 or more dropbacks this season. Mason Rudolph ranked second on the entire list in terms of just uh, the offensive grade. Um, of course, Matt Barkley was number one there, uh, so that's fun. But Rudolph had a pretty good preseason. It's his job. He, I mean, he looked pretty good in relief of Big Ben. It wasn't a complete disaster. All right, and the upcoming schedule at San Francisco – Versus Cincinnati, versus Baltimore, that that one's tough. Maybe you find a different streamer there at the Chargers. So decent short term, look good in the preseason, look good in the regular season, um, and he has the job the rest of the year. And there's pretty much no question about that. And for whatever weird reason, the Steelers traded a first-round pick to Minka Fitzpatrick for Minka Fitzpatrick last night. So we know that they're not giving up on the season entirely. Um I'll admit that my Mason Rudolph knowledge and research pretty much started yesterday or on Sunday. But uh, from everything that I've seen, he's convinced me enough that he's the number one pickup this week out of these guys we're discussing. It was interesting to see the Steelers double down. It's almost like they know something that we don't as America in terms Mm of what Mason Rudolph can be as a quarterback. And that oddly gave me a little bit of confidence uh, confidence when I saw that news. And and the Dolphins are a mess. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the, the Minka Fitzpatrick is, is a whole different podcast altogether. So we won't go into that. We'll let probably John Amaro, uh, they had some great one-liners during Thursday's last podcast. <laughs> Definitely listen to that if you are in on the dunking on the Dolphins phase, like it feels like everyone is. I like Mason Rudolph too, and he's absolutely my number one guy. It's worth pointing out in the Dynasty League that I'm in the auto new format. We've done a few advertisements with them, but I, I also like playing in that league overall. He went for $32 in a free agent bidding system, and now that's also including your auction stuff too. So it's accumulative as opposed to here's 100 free agent dollars, just go use them. Okay. You can you can do a whole year roster on that. Okay. But he did go for $32, and I, I was actually fine with that. I don't know if we are for certain Ben Roethlisberger comes back next year. Right, like oh, for yeah, for you your know, like in purposes? a dynasty in a dynasty format, he is worth every bit of spending up for, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Even if Mason Rudolph doesn't do well, he's going to be a serviceable enough guy, and I think the pass catchers and the offensive line is way better than what we're going to see for the the Saints mm-hmm. and Teddy Bridgewater. And we'll get to him in a little bit in a moment, and Daniel Jones too. Like everyone was talking about how James Conner is a late first round pick in fantasy because the offensive line is great and everything else. Mm-hmm. That all still applies, even if yep. a different quarterback is in there. And I, I I think this is a great situation for him to really stand out and prove that he could be a middle of the pack quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So my Cam Newton league, I definitely intend to. Uh Jeez, you know, I'm going to give it away to all my competitors, uh, but I definitely intend to place a decent, you know, it's a single quarterback league, so I'm not going to go crazy with my bid on Rudolph, but it'll be in the 5 to $6 range at least, and I don't think anyone else will feel the need to go over that just because uh, I don't know how much I can trust Cam Newton this week or the rest of the year. In a two-quarterback league, I think my number is $27. I'm taking thinking he's roughly worth a quarter of my fab budget, throw a couple dollars extra on there to kind of go above. So $27, $28 for me. Did Kevin Payne talk about uh, Mason Rudolph? I know that he's normally one of our guys that writes these Yeah, he writes the waiver wire article, and in a single uh, uh, league, he actually puts them at – now, this is a single quarterback league, five to ten dollars or twenty plus if you're a Breeze See, or like Ben that. owner. I, I'm I'm on board with that. That's a lot of fab money, though. If you would, if you have Cam Newton, if you have Cam Newton right now, and let's just say Cam Newton's out next week, let's not even like in mm-hmm. the future, just out next week with that foot injury, that's a problem. I'll take him 
I'll take Mason Rudolph, I should say, over mm-hmm. Will Greer. I'll take Mason Rudolph over Daniel Jones, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, okay. or any of those guys. So we're like, in agreement. I was going to wait to the end to, to, to rank these guys, but uh, it's it's a Rudolph one and Jones two, or does somebody else sneak in for Jones number two? Well, let's you? get let's get to Teddy let's Bridgewater because it, yeah. I, I actually think that he's my number two. But I'm I'm curious to hear your perspective. I'm not even sure I'm mm-hmm. going to disagree with some of the things you're going to say. But Teddy Bridgewater obviously going to be in there for what seems to be at least six weeks over two months. Drew Brees tore ligament in his thumb. I think he's getting a second opinion. But for for all intents and purposes, it's Teddy Bridgewater. It's his time to shine. This is the reason why the Saints gave him an extension in the offseason to be the backup quarterback and potential future of the New Orleans Saints offense. It didn't look pretty. It did not look pretty against the Rams. Uh, that was a game I think the spread was like two points in favor of the Rams, and they won by 18. Mm-hmm. And they really pulled away in the second half. How do you feel about Teddy Bridgewater and his influence in the offense, and what do you think could happen in the upcoming games? I put Bridgewater, obviously, I put him as number three, and I put him ahead of Will Greer and Luke Falk, but that's not saying a whole lot here. Um, we have, so just just looking at the latest note on our website, rotowire.com, he could be the subject of a quick hook. Okay, so Taysom Hill is around, and you could run a very interesting offense with Taysom Hill, and I trust Sean Payton as a head coach to be able to figure something out that plays to his strengths a little bit. So there's the quick hook risk. Let's say, best case scenario, he plays those entire six weeks. You assume he concedes to Drew Brees after that. So again, you're looking at only short-term value. Uh, Unlike Rudolph in week two, Bridgewater did not look good, as you mentioned, to start. And then if I go back to those, uh, you know, maybe I'm leaning on these a little bit too much, but it's the only real sample size we have of these guys in 2019. If you go back to the pro football focus preseason grades, um, Teddy Bridgewater, he 74 dropbacks in the preseason. And, uh, you know, I've been using 35 as my minimum dropback attempts. I could bump that up to 40, it looks like, and it wouldn't change a whole lot. But Bridgewater is 29 when it comes to uh, the pro football focus grades in the preseason. So didn't look good in the preseason, didn't look good in the regular season, is a short-term option that could get a quick hook anyway. Well, I still like him better than your your Will Greers and your uh, Luke Falks. Um, He's surely surely behind Rudolph and Jones for me it's like Rudolph and Jones and then go down a while and then Bridgewater it's just so tough for me to say I want bridge or I want Daniel Jones significantly over Teddy Bridgewater but you recent memory suggests that's 100% what you do like Daniel Jones did look impressive in the preseason and I, I it was undeniable even as a guy that was mm-hmm. not really a huge fan of his coming out of college the problem is I've also been a huge fan of Teddy Bridgewater, and and it was even when he was on the Vikings, too, that I was a huge fan of him. And I know it's horrible to say as a Packers fan, but I am rooting for him. The yards per attempt is he plays concerning. For the Saints now. You can root for him all yeah, you well, want. Well, I was rooting nuts, for him even for the nuts, Vikings. Go nuts, dude. I'm not, I'm not going to reprimand I, you. The, the yards per attempt, though, is concerning. Here's the one good side, mm-hmm. and the reason why— 5.7 in the preseason. Yes. I, I don't know if I mentioned that. 5.7 yards per attempt, the 29 quarterback. So to put that in perspective, he's behind David Fales, Matt Schaub, Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman, Jacob Doligala— Brett Hundley, Jared Stidham, Taylor Heineke, Ryan Griffin. Those are all guys that graded better than him in, a, in the preseason. Just yeah, throwing that out there. And it wasn't great uh, Sunday either, 5.5 yards per carry. So at least he's consistent. The thing and the reason why we downgraded Drew Brees as significantly as we did here at Rotoware, and I was all on board with it, was because the offense has gravitated more to a run-oriented one and the short passes were going to continue to happen. That was a Drew Brees thing too. This hasn't really changed that much with Teddy Bridgewater despite how few yards per attempt he's actually throwing. But I, I was listening to Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson talk on Monday's podcast about while Drew Brees was throwing it show, uh, shorter, leading the the receiver or Elvin Kamara, whoever else it is, mm-hmm. 
is probably a little bit different and better, and that's that's why we were seeing Bridgewater struggle so much against the Rams. Now, maybe the Rams' defense is just really good, and we know their talent to be pretty good, so that's probably possible. Mm-hmm. But if he's not able to actually lead the passes and make effective run-after-catch possibilities for players, well, then that's where the yards per attempt is concerning. And if they're not going to air it out, and it seems like they're not going to, they haven't done for the last two or three seasons— I can see where the concern lies, and I could get Daniel Jones, despite mm-hmm. his obvious downgrade and pass catchers to the Saints, why you would take him number two overall. The quick hook is also a concern. Like Taysom Hill, for whatever the reason, seems to be more of an electric player. I think the team likes him. Whether It just seems like they rally around a little like, bit more. Why don't more you run field. like a triple option type thing with a lot of fakes and short passes in there? That could be effective for yeah. in the short term if you had to. I'll say this. If I have Michael Thomas, I'm very concerned. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of offense you can realistically run with how many oh yards per I carry. I can't wait for the value meter to come out this week. Right. I'm very curious where Michael Thomas ranks. Like That's going to be a concern for me. As much of a PPR monster as he is, I would be trying to deal mm-hmm. if I could. If somebody's still thinking he's the Michael Thomas with Drew Brees, I just don't know if that's going to be possible. Teddy Bridgewater under center. And maybe if Taysom Hill is there, it changes the equation a little bit because the defense, is a, defense has to be more aware of what Hill can do with his legs. I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. And as a Kamara mm-hmm. owner, and I have him in two different leagues, I'm also a little bit worried that he's just not mm-hmm. going to have the same type of value that he did with Drew Brees. We're going to see it unfold. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's the unfortunate mm-hmm. reality that with all these quarterback injuries, these guys are going to be depressed value, whether it be uh, a James Conner, whether it be mm-hmm. Elvin Kamara, we're going to have to see how these yeah. things play out. But it, at least in quarterbacks, I, I do have uh, Mason Rudolph clearly number one. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones number two, and then I talked to you. Into it. Three. I, I didn't think it's you were. A, quite, it's not. I wasn't sure. If you were, I didn't think you were quite there when we started this podcast, but I, I gave you some some Teddy stats. And yeah, I, I think I, we got there. You, you might have twisted my arm. Yeah. despite my homer, I, I just don't mm-hmm. think the chasm's as big as what you're referring to. But okay, yeah, you're right. I do mm-hmm. think Daniel Jones well, is probably. It, number it's two. funny because if you look at Rudolph Jones and Bridgewater and, and said blindly, you know, which one of these three teams has the better offensive weapons, like skilled players. It would be the Saints, I think, by a pretty decent margin. Yeah, the Steelers have Connor and Juju, and the uh, and the Giants have Saquon. But like between Kamara and Murray and Michael Thomas, and you know you get your gadgety guys too mixed in there. You think they'd have the best weapons, but you know I'm going to go with quarterback skill on this one. Um, even though, and you look at upcoming schedule for Teddy Bridgewater too at Seattle versus Dallas versus Tampa Bay, then at Jacksonville at Chicago, they have a harder one. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden Arizona. By the time he gets a decent match, I guess Seattle's a good matchup in 2019. But by the time he gets a decent matchup against Arizona, then you know we're looking at Drew Brees coming back anyway if he hasn't been hooked already. So uh, that's where I stand on the day. Those three are I, I'm pretty firmly entrenched in that. Uh, when you look at secondary options behind that will greer luke falk um that's Oof. just <laughs> well luke uh, luke falk he had some rhythm towards the end of mm-hmm. money's game and you were obviously doing softball uh and... i caught the second half okay so i caught the whole see, second half of the game I watched it, yep. it was yeah it wasn't great and i just am not a huge adam Gase fan whatsoever Le'Veon bell did the mm-hmm. best he could with his 10 plus targets robbie anderson mm-hmm. actually had a little bit of life way more than he had with mm-hmm. sam darnold or trevor simeon uh, i actually respect the hell out of Le'Veon bell he was actually giving maximum effort at the end of that game he was crying. you could tell he yeah. was actually crying he was not happy game. like you could tell that he cared and you know a lot of my narrative based like dislike for Le'Veon Bell heading into the year just thinking man after that year off like what's his right. motivation level going to be at he looked pretty damn motivated in that game so uh if anything that's a good sign if you need to take if you're a Jets fan and needs to take any solace in that whole thing he looked pretty good this is again five quarterbacks out and I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of other publications and podcasts talking about this 
the fact that there's Colin Kaepernick hasn't been in the league since then is, is a travesty and it's very frustrating to me. And now we're to the point where it doesn't matter. But I, I, mm-hmm. I just, it's, this is exactly is the is reason. Is it three why. years removed, four years uh, removed now? Has that ever happened in history where someone just, a quarterback decides to go out of the league for four years? Yeah, and he didn't decide. And, and then comes I, back? I'm 100% convinced he didn't decide yeah. that he got to do that. Anyway, I, I do want to bring up Will Greer. I don't think it's, again, we have to see what Cam Newton's practice status is and if they have him. He did not look good in Thursday's contest and it took Troy mm-hmm. until the fourth quarter to finally admit it. But he even was on board that Cam Newton was not the right quarterback. So if Cam Newton misses time, and it's very possible, I like Will Greer as a potential option, uh, just given the pass catchers that he has. Like, he didn't look bad in the preseason either. You're talking about the PFF metrics. Mm-hmm. I don't have him in front of me, but I know, at least from the few games that I caught, he was not that bad of an option for them. And I wonder with DJ or yeah, with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and even a, a reemerging Greg Olson at over 100 yards receiving on Thursday's contest, if that might not be the one to target uh, if you are streaming quarterbacks, that, that might be the way to go. Yeah, so Will Greer, I don't know what, I guess I can't attest to having seen him in the preseason. And I don't know, this is, these numbers look almost so bad that uh, I have to wonder if they're correct. But I had a drop the minimum, 72 dropbacks in the preseason. Um, I had read an article where he was last among all the rookies in the preseason. And okay, there's not that, there's a decent amount of rookies, but not crazy. But this shows him uh, in terms of uh, passing grades, just the passing aspect, um, that he's dead last. So somehow something happened here. Um, 55.7% completion percentage, 6.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, yeah, he's got the job, but I don't, I have very low expectations. Assuming, assuming he has the week three job again, facing, we're trying to talk about this on the Cardinals, Tuesday. Week three facing the Cardinals. Obviously you talk about streaming option. Uh, pretty good. He'll be minimum Texans, priced on DFS. Texans week four. That's not a, a tremendous great passing defense from what we've seen so mm-hmm. far. Jaguars week yeah, five, but, obviously, and then Buccaneers week six. We need to see what Cam Newton does and, and what his health ends up mm-hmm. being. I'm not completely scared off is all I'm going to say. I think the pass catchers are there, and the offense can't be much worse than what we saw with Cam Newton, who still threw for 300 yards. He just had to have 50 attempts to yeah. do so. Greer's the guy where I put three plus dollar or maybe two plus dollar bids and one like $8 bid just on a quarterback, him. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I didn't get any of those guys? What the heck happened? <laughs> Let me yeah. scramble and pick up Will Greer because I don't know what else to do. That's yeah. like, that's, and, and Luke Falk, I don't even give that much credit, probably. Yeah, I would have I would have Falk among five among that group, but it's it's worth pointing out, again, yep. there's going to be teams that have multiple guys out now mm-hmm. with all these quarterbacks and, the, and Andrew Luck as well, adding to that conversation yeah. too hey, for yeah, early draft leagues. Hey, at least Luke Falk, he was 72 among quarterbacks with that amount of dropbacks <laughs> in the preseason, 6.4 <laughs> yards per attempt. We're really Two, digging deep. I wonder how they do these grades, really, or, I'd be curious to dive more into the grading process because he actually completed 80% of his passes and had a couple touchdowns and no interceptions. It's just the YPA wasn't necessarily that great. Um, so so who knows, but maybe Luke Falk does go above Will Greer if you go through those. Uh, again, I hate to lean on just like these one stats so much, but yep. like when you're talking There's about all lot. these backup quarterbacks mm-hmm. with like no sample size, what do you go off of? I suspect we'll be having this conversation again next week's podcast, kind of going over how these guys do, because we'll have actual footage against actual defenses that mm-hmm. have been playing and throwing coverages at them and seeing how they unfold. So this is probably more of one that, all right, we'll table it for next week. But if you have to be aggressive with all these quarterbacks out, we're going to have them ranked at least Mason Rudolph, number one. I think the consensus for us, too, is Daniel Jones, number two, Bridgewater, three. I have Greer, number four, and then Falk, number five. But I think you're kind of like the... God, I hope I never have to get to the four or five yeah, options. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, the, they're they're four A and and four B for yeah, me. Yeah. Like equally bad. 
All right, well, let's get to the running backs. But first, before we do that, let's get a word from Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft is the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, bringing the heat again with $750,000 guaranteed for the rake-free contest. The Hooter main event with its $100,000 first place payout is also available. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for NFL Week 3. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the times, not just limited for limited time promotions. Listen, as any fantasy site continues to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fees, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bakeroll to the house. Sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code ROTOWIRE, and you'll get a free seven-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free fantasy entries. That's fantasydraft.com promo code slash rotoware don't miss your shot at a million dollars in rake free contests this season start playing on fantasy draft today your bankroll is going to love it of course you can register at fantasydraft.com to take part in the rake free revolution just use promo code uh, rotoware for your free seven-day trial all right so the running backs we had adrian peterson who's now at 68 percent owned and rightfully so darius guy has been placed in injured reserves can be out for an extended time giovanni bernard at 40 percent owned that was not as great because we actually mm-hmm. had we uh, thought we were, we were discussing as if uh as if joe mixon would be out but he ended up playing so that you know that kind of shreds the value there malcolm brown raised up to 62 percent todd Gurley actually did get a touchdown last week so mm-hmm. uh indecisive raheem mostert that's the one. 18% right now. He looked amazing, along with Jeff Wilson, who took uh, two touchdowns away from the 49ers in their blowout win over the Bengals. That was a lot of ground game overall, whether it be Matt Breed or whether it be Mostert. I think that's going to be one of the primary pickups at running back uh, this week, I would imagine, for mm-hmm. most people. Yeah, that absolutely seems to be the case. Now, I was starting to think maybe Jalen Samuels could get into that conversation, but it seems that as of now, James Conner is going to try to play. As we learned last week, this is a Tuesday podcast between you know Tuesday and Sunday. A lot uh, a lot could change here, but looking at the... Uh, the snap counts here um, for the 49ers, of course, Juszczyk as the fullback. He actually had the most, more than any of them. But Mostert had 34 snaps, Breida 21, and Jeff Wilson, who scored twice, had 15 snaps. Like, yep. I, I don't know how yeah. to ex- yep. exactly to explain that. 49ers in 2019. Yeah, That's exactly. Shanahan has always found a way to do something with not a whole lot. And, of course, this is a game they absolutely should have won. But, no, Mostert looks good. He looks explosive. I think he could very well be rostered. I, I would say he should be owned at this point. Um, I don't think i don't know kevin payne actually puts jalen samuels ahead of him uh in the waiver wire rankings but not by a ton he gives samuels a 10 to 15 dollar bid and Mostert a 10 to 15 dollar bid um given what we know about connor now and connor trying to play i think i'd bump Mostert up to be the top waiver wire running back target this week i don't know in 10 team leagues if i'm going to Mostert. i think it'd be it'll be a little bit deeper than that uh, otherwise well, in 10 team leagues you'll have to cut somebody good exactly to get to and i just and i get it like he looked pretty impressive and the speed is there and I think the 49ers need multiple running backs to be successful. It can't be just Breida. It can't be just Jeff Wilson or whatever else. Obviously, we saw all three do uh, do well on Sunday. I'm not going there in 10 team leagues, but 12, 14, totally get it. And certainly, a lot of the deeper leagues I'm in, the NFFC ones, mm-hmm. I suspect he's going to have a pretty significant budget enforced him. I did want to talk about Jalen Samuels, though, because I've been high in him. He's guy, at least in a lot of best ball leagues that I targeted in the 15th, 16th, 17th rounds. What's your take on him? And obviously, it depends on if James Conner's healthy, but. Is this a situation where you even feel comfortable using him, given Mason Rudolph now entering over Ben Roethlisberger for the rest mm-hmm. of the season? My take is I wish he was tight end eligible in some places <laughs> still because there there's some leagues where I could really use a tight end, and uh, I'd go ahead and trot him out there and be happy with four or five points a week. Um, but no, I, I guess I buy the athleticism. I buy uh, 
you know, a possibility of a bigger role on tap. Um, you know, he did well in uh, in Connor's absence last season, kind of towards the end. Um, ran for 142 yards against the Patriots at one point. So there's a, I don't know, there's a decent amount to like there. But it's for me, it's if there's any kind of a timeshare on a Steelers team with Mason Rudolph, I don't think that he's even a flex option unless he were to somehow take that role over. I like him in deep leagues as a possibility to fill in and do well. And I, I 100% think he would do well if James Conner was going to miss any time. Again, the offensive line, I think, gets a little bit too much credit at times for being successful when Le'Veon Bell is, frankly, going to be one of the better running backs of this generation, in my opinion. Uh, but that's still there and it's still a prominent factor that if Connor were to miss time, that's exactly why you had to be drafting Samuel with that thought in mind, that he would fill in slot in well. But uh, Mostert, the guy that I'd probably be rostering at this point, um, at least in 12-team leagues, Samuel should be rostered too. But do, I mean, do we worry about Tevin Coleman coming back? Is McKinnon going to pop back from IR? Or is, McKinnon's going to be out for at least got to be out i think at least eight weeks right okay. and then, then, they, then they could use the uh two free passes on ir guys to make use Fair, coleman's going to yeah. be out for three or four i thought or at least it was a multi-week mm-hmm. absence and yeah, if I mean, that's the case if this stable gets healthy then the whole moster thing gets a little bit convoluted so again moster isn't a guy i think pain hits it right on the head 10 15 dollars of your fab budget yep. he, he's obviously not that you know 50 60 dollar league defining fab move that you need to make for by any means so uh while he's out there while he's ownable especially if you ran into injuries at the position um go for it but again i'm not i'm not too crazy about it i'll do I, I'll, do I'll do safety bids i'll do safety bids to make sure my roster is the best that i can be but i don't see any of my leagues where i'd actually start them this week do i dare bring up any player from the dolphins to be picked up i mean with all these trade rumors going around with mm-hmm. the Dolphins, Xavier Howard has demanded a trade. Yep. Minka Fitzpatrick's already gone. They got him for a first-round mm-hmm. pick. We saw Tunsil. Kenny Stills get traded. Now Kenny Drake is asking for a trade. I've been a huge get-away-from-Kenny-Drake guy that's proved to be successful mm-hmm. for a variety of different reasons uh, through the two weeks of the season. If they end up moving Kenny Drake, if somebody wants him, is Kalen Balage somebody you'd even pick up given how bad the Dolphins have looked through two weeks? Well, it's how bad the Dolphins has look, have looked and, I mean, how bad Balage has looked, to be completely honest. If I were Drake and they're still giving carries to this guy who's got a, you know, the yards per carry can't be good. I'm looking it up right now. 0.6 yards per carry on nine That's attempts awful. this year. Nine attempts for five rushing yards and, uh, you know, he wasn't... Uh, he was he yeah he was targeted a handful of times but not he's been targeted six times this year and has two receptions for 19 yards so if that guy was getting snaps and getting run before me then yeah I'd probably run a tra- want to trade to if I were Kenyon Drake we just have to mention him because we need to cater to the deepest of leagues possible and if you're a starting running back in today's National Football League there's a spot for you in some kind of format unless you think that Mark Walton, Patrick Laird, or Miles Gaskin is going to suddenly usurp Kalen Balaj on the depth chart in the event of a Drake trade. Um, I think Balaj at least has to be on the fantasy radar. Uh, he's actually owned pretty highly. He's around 38%, so people have been th- or 28%. So people have been thinking this for some time, and I don't really, I'm not going to pay anything for him, but you know, again, if you've got one of these IR guys on your team and, and need to fill out your roster, um, you could wait a couple of weeks and see what happens to make sure you're not complete, holding on to complete trash before you know cutting bait. I, I want to direct the people in the right direction. This is what this podcast is all about. I don't think in 2019 it is worth rostering any Dolphins running back mm-hmm. at all. Any Dolphins player? No, no. I actually think Preston Williams and Devontae Parker are worth having uh, in deep leagues as, as receivers – specifically Balazs, maybe Kenny Drake is, is an exception. I think he, at least given his receiving acumen, what we've seen in the past is worth it. But Balazs is not. There, there's, there's no way 
you should be having him on your team. Now, they're again 20-point underdogs this week. They got completely obliterated by the Ravens in week one. Patriots fall right on, on suit in week two. There is nothing about that offense at all. Not a single thing where I'm like, I need to have a running back, regardless if he's starting or not. Like you could, you mm-hmm. could slot any one of those guys in there. And Balaj has proven time and again that he's inept right. in every facet. I All don't right. want him. We'll throw this out for you. Cheaper guy, lesser owned. Chase Edmonds. He's three percent. Yes, he's the David yes. Johnson. You know, backup. He could become a thing if the wrist turns into anything more. David Johnson ended up returning and scoring a touchdown, so nothing too worrisome yet. He'll probably be on the injury report to some degree. If you're going to stash someone at the bottom of your bench, he's more available and probably cheaper. I think Chase Edmonds because there's a chance he even gets. I mean, with the amount of plays this offense wants yes. to run, 100%. there's always been a you know a slight chance that he somehow works his way into a role. Maybe even has some standalone value. I own Chase Edmonds in two leagues. Uh, one, of course, I'm, ba- I'm backing up David Johnson, and one is Stake League, which is pretty deep anyway. Um, I don't intend to drop him anytime soon. No, I think that's fair. I would rather have Chase Edmonds 100% over uh, Kalen Balazs. Mm-hmm. I would rather have Mostert, obviously, uh, Giovanni. Like again, you could probably name any running back that is even second string on a team, and I'm going to take him over Balazs at this point. Point that's, six yards per carry. That's, that's how bad it's in Miami. And again, again, other than Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, I don't want anything to do with that team until they can score more than two touchdowns mm-hmm. score more than two touchdowns in a game prove that you are in an nfl organization and then i will consider your players at this point and mm-hmm. fantasy purposes that's that's where i'm at like i, I don't want to get you know too too disgusted with the dolphins but this is just this is embarrassing i feel bad for miami schedule fans. and i'm trying to find a team bad enough that they could get a win maybe cincinnati in week 16 the 15 16 they have the giants and the bengals back to back that's going to be their shot to get a win I don't know what the odds are for them going 0 16, but I would consider it. I, mm-hmm. I, I just like this is this is going to be unquestionably one of the worst teams in NFL history through two weeks, and I, I just don't even feel like it's that an aggressive of a statement to make. We've been seeing it on ESPN. They got assets though. Plays. They got some assets. What assets? They <laughs> trade them away. They they have first no, round picks. Look at yeah. Look at all their picks. That's yeah, what I mean, okay. They got all right, some and they have to hit on those before that even mm-hmm. happens. Anyone That's, you want to cut from the running back position? No, and you have on? Ronald Jones listed there, and you're trying to hurt my. <laughs> I'm trying my to bait you into it, but you yes. don't want it. <laughs> no, and and you know you know I started him in stake league. Of course, of course. After Ronald Jones gets seven. 70-plus rushing yards, looks significantly better in week one. They decide, nope, Peyton Barber time, and he gets 20-plus carries, carries. zero targets <sighs> And for Peyton Ronald Barber's Jones. on my bench in Stake League, and I'm sitting with is. just over 100 points, again, for a second consecutive week. Mm, brutal. I love fantasy football. Going to yeah. drop another F-bomb what, I don't need what, to be doing. What, what a game we play. What a game uh-huh, we play here. Yes. Let's, let's get to the receivers before I start rage-quitting everything. Before we do that, I do want to get a word from our sponsors, SeatGeek, who are at least smart enough to have Ronald Jones play a little bit more. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek puts millions, millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you close to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. They help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence and you can make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Uh, I didn't use SeatGeek to get my Packer tickets for week two when they beat the Vikings, but I'll be honest when I say I might be interested in buying some Bronco tickets this week, and they mm-hmm. might be a different value. I know you were looking to the yeah. Badgers-Michigan game for tickets. Potentially. I, I'm always definitely looking at uh, 
looking at my SeatGeek app uh, on Saturday mornings. It's an 11 o'clock game. I don't have my Badger Michigan tickets yet. Um, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm too broke to make the big donations they want to buy season <laughs> tickets. And um, you might find some college student that's willing to uh, sell, sell, to, sell to the student tickets. Way, yeah, yeah, I can surf my way. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but no, I've always uh, last year I did this on the app and I found you know a couple hours. I actually woke up at like nine o'clock for an 11 o'clock game. Didn't really plan on going to the game, but kind of rolled over, looked at my phone, uh, and then I saw oh dang these are actually much cheaper than I thought because there's always that handful of people that needs to mm-hmm. unload the tickets before the game starts. So I uh, scooped up a couple of Michigan tickets and uh, and watched uh, watched them win. Watched Alex Hornbrook and company uh, look real good. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I would actually no that might have been Joel Stava the year I did that. I'm I'm blending my years together. Uh, you know, m- might partake a little bit in some stuff on uh, game days here, but uh, but anyway, as no. do all of us in Wisconsin. But, but, but before I get quote. to that stage of the day, I'm looking on my SeatGeek app and trying to buy some tickets on the cheap, and I've been able to successfully do that in the past, and maybe we can keep it up this uh, weekend. Yeah, and uh, best of all for our listeners, you can get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase of over thirty dollars more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code Roto NFL today. That's promo code R O T O. NFL for $10 off your free SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right. The receivers was the heavy portion of last Tuesday's podcast. There's some interesting names I think we have to discuss, starting first, potentially, with Nelson Aguilar. Elshon Jeffrey is going to be out potentially multiple weeks with a calf injury. Deshaun Jackson is uncertain for week three with a groin injury. Both of them ended up costing me my fantasy leagues uh, last week with their three-quarter absence mm. against the Falcons on Sunday night. Nelson Aguilar becomes a very intriguing name as a streamer option uh, if you are in a wide receiver two or flex format and you have a little bit uh, not as deep benches. I think he's probably available and probably somebody I would start as a wide receiver two or flex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this. Uh, I mean, the Philadelphia offense looks excellent, and um, somebody's going to be getting the work there. Nelson Aguilar did drop a pretty surefire oh touchdown God, pass on bad. Sunday night. Yes. Um, fortunately, nobody was really starting him, so you couldn't get that frustrated as he did with, say, like a like a Miko Hardman touchdown getting called back due to a, a holding penalty. That was uh, uh, some excitement to rage real fast for me. But... Uh, <laughs> But in any case, no. Uh, see, the thing is, uh, Nelson Aguilar, 16%. Uh, the way that these draft lists were working early in the year, there are some teams that took him as the last receiver, especially if you got yep. into a 14-team league. And uh, and this is one of those cases. I think Vlad Sedler tweeted it out um, where he was like, yep, well, if you haven't been paying attention to your waivers and held on to your draft team and haven't made any moves left, you might want to check because you might have Nelson Aguilar on your bench now. And suddenly he becomes very viable. Like you said, Elshon Jeffrey, calf injury. That could be a multi-game absence. Deshaun Jackson, groin injury and now you know the groin injury is worrisome when you have someone that that speed, speed is such is a huge part of the yep. game uh so you know uncertain for that we don't know how long that absence is going to extend but i expect to see a decent amount of uh nelson aguilar and what's the other guy mac hollins or something like that well our sega white side too and mm-hmm. i i really liked our sega white side uh he was a guy that in dynasty leagues i was kind of targeting a little bit but he's clearly third string regardless as long as carson Wentz is healthy and he took a lot of shots during the the falcons game and just about everyone from the eagles seemed to leave the game at some point with an injury as long as Wentz is healthy i think aguilar has got a lot of fantasy value of course, Mikko Hardman has even more fantasy value because he's in literally the best NFL offense we've ever seen in our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes, for destroying regression and everything else that we ever believed in life because he had a, well, he had at least one touchdown, 62 yards receiving, I think, or it was a little bit more than that, but he had a 75-yarder, which you talked about, called back in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs threw four touchdowns in one quarter. They beat the Raiders 28-10 to and didn't score at all in the second half. 
it's entirely or the first po- quarter. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible that Harbin has an even better day in the future, and it probably mm-hmm. could have been better if Demarcus Robinson, who is owned in only nine percent of the leagues now in Yahoo, had an even better day. He had two touchdowns over 170 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. This offense is explosive. It feels like you could literally stack every one of them in a DFS lineup and have success each and every week. That's kind of the point we've gotten with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did last week. I, I did the stack slightly incorrect, but I stacked Mahomes and Hardman with Sammy Watkins and uh, you know missed out on Kelsey and Robinson, but still... Uh, was able to just barely get across that cat, cash line in uh, like like the Sunday Million, for example. So uh, it was profitable because of those guys. And a lot of people are going to go to Mar- Demarcus Robinson. I don't see anything wrong with that. There's absolutely a spot for him in fantasy and deep leagues. But I'm uh, I'm still salivating over Nicole Hardman here. Uh, you know he could have had that extra. That line looks so much juicier oh, yeah. if he gets that 75 yard touchdown in there. And uh, I mean he's burning people. You've got a quarterback that can get him the ball and that throws the deep ball on the run or off his back. That 75 yarder was basically off his back foot yeah. too. If because that was uh, that was one of the games that I think CBS had in the late game locally here. So that was the one that I was watching uh, in the afternoon for the most part. And God, Mahomes looks great. Uh, Hartman looks great. He's uh, he, he's passing the eye test for sure. And this now he finally exactly has the opportunity. This is exactly why we recommended him, uh, even with Hill coming back, is that the potential, mm-hmm. his speed, and what he could do, if an injury worked out his way, mm-hmm. he's going to fall into a yeah. great fantasy situation. John Ross, Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Mikael Hartman, all guys that are probably or were probably available week one that I think are going to be starters. Maybe mm-hmm. Hartman doesn't fit that category, but I think all the rest of them are going to be starters. The rest of the season, like it, this was a pretty lucrative yeah. week one. McLaurin, because of the name recognition thing, I think we needed to just single. I wanted to single him out because he's only fifty two percent owned, and there's a good chance he's out there because he's not someone that immediately comes to mind when you're thinking of a pickup. Just number not- one, number one receiver for the Redskins. He was last week as well. I know you were a little bit hesitant on him. I was all in. I know Jeff Erickson was all in, and he's he had another touchdown. I, was last that, week. I think I ranked him ahead of Marquise Brown actually, oh. just because of the snap count. Oh, okay. Maybe. I, I don't well, know. And, um, Somebody was probably hesitant on well, I, Marquise, I bet you, you could cut up the clip and find a spot where I hesitated yeah, you're right. a little bit. Go to the tape. No. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, and Marquise Brown had, I think, 65% snap percentage again this was, week. Yeah, and, he was and, suddenly back. And all of a sudden, he took over for Willie Sneed, and they're like, oh, yeah, duh, he's better. He's very clearly the number one receiver for the Ravens. I'm very excited to see the Chiefs-Ravens matchup. I think it's the Sunday night game in week three. That's one of, like, maybe four games I'm actually looking forward to. But that one is going to be a doozy, and I'm hoping to see Lamar Jackson continue to be successful. Over under nine and a half passing touchdowns in that game. Oh, I'm going to take the under if only because history says we should. But man, that's going to be an interesting (laughs) one to watch. And I'm excited to see both Lamar and Patrick do their thing. I was excited and happy to see Dak Prescott do his thing. Now, the receivers have benefited. Gallup is going to have, or Michael Gallup is going to have arthro- arthroscopic surgery to his knee. He's going to be out. Meniscus, some, getting the scope. Yeah, yeah three it's to four a, weeks, weeks, right? Yep. So that means Devin Smith, who did catch a touchdown pass on a very deep and great throw by the soon-to-be $40 million quarterback a year, Dak Prescott. <laughs> Uh, maybe Devin Smith is worth a pick of in super deep leagues, mm-hmm. or there's obviously Randall Cobb that could probably step in and be the obvious number two receiver opposite Amari Cooper. Yeah, my gut said at first, like, oh, it's Randall Cobb, go pick him up. And I do own Randall Cobb in one twelve team league, and I don't think I'm going to drop him yet. But I think Cobb's role could largely largely stay the same, whereas Smith just kind of steps into Gallup's role. Um, Smith is a guy that was uh, super fast at the combine. Let's see if I got, I don't know if I got the numbers here. Um, you know, super fast at the combine. He had a decent line. Um, it was like three for seventy 
94 and a touchdown. You mentioned it's obviously helped by the line. He was on the field for 18 snaps. So, I mean, he's the guy who steps into the Gallup role, whereas Cobb maybe stays the same. So um, he's a guy that after, you know, all these options that we discussed at the beginning, after your Hardmans and your Aguilars, your McLaurins, your, your DJ Sharks, your DK Metcalfs, after they dry up, Devin Smith's the name that is still going to be out there if you only want to spend a dollar and save your fab or if you're in a 16-team league and you want to grab somebody to help, uh, you know, that has as good an upside as a lot of your bench options probably do right now. So uh, he's a name that is des- definitely worth uh, mentioning here. I'll give you a name that I like more than Devin Smith. And, and you're right, in deep leagues, he probably fits that category and this guy won't. But if I'm ranking the receivers available, I probably go Nelson, Nelson Aguilar and then James Washington over Mecole Hardman, at least for this week. Like this week. Oh, oh I was thinking about this, maybe sticking uh, Hardman over Aguilar. But. Uh, see, I like Aguilar and then I'll go James Washington over Mecole Hardman. Here's the reason why. Washington and Rudolph played together in college, and they had a lot of success. I think the connection is going to be even better uh, mm-hmm. with, a, again, a passing tech that we st- still seem to think that we like. The offensive line still going to be connected. And he's obviously outplayed mm-hmm. Moncrief, who had a miserable week one and followed it up with a equally miserable week two. I think James Washington's a clear number two receiver, and I think yeah. the Steelers are going to have to pass. Moncrief only played 18 snaps, and then he dropped his only target. So if you haven't cut him yet, go ahead and do that now. Um, <laughs> Cold. I, I shouldn't even – I mean – this should go without saying we shouldn't even have to do a cut list thing for him because because there's zero value in fantasy there and you've got james washington coming out and playing 34 snaps i when i wrote these down i guess i I wasn't intentionally intending for this to be a ranking but i do agree that you're right that james washington he's another guy that's going to fly under the radar because what do you have like two catches for 23 yards week two hasn't done much numbers wise but as far as circumstances and you know like what is surrounding him it seems like he has the biggest chance to make a big leap from from weeks two to week three and again i'm thinking for a season-long format Washington's going to benefit with a quarterback that he's played with in college and had success in college. Mm-hmm. He was one of the more productive players in his draft class with Mason Rudolph as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think the connection aspect can't be overlooked. And when we're talking about Nelson Aguilar, who fits into a great offense, we don't know what we're getting week in and week out from Hardman. We know that the Chiefs are going to do well, but it, it could be Sammy Watkins. It could be Demarcus Robinson. It could be Travis Kelsey. It could be mm-hmm. whatever running back that fills in. And, and that's with, where I'm With concerned. the Eagles, Doug Peterson's going to get weird with it. We think it's Nelson Aguilar, but you're right. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Mac Hollins played a bit. I mean, the tight ends with the two sets could get involved and all the running backs can catch passes there in Philadelphia. So while on paper, Aguilar looks like he'd be the guy, like all of a sudden he's the guy that your best corner covers and and Washington doesn't have that because you better be double covering Juju Smith-Schuster still, even with the backup quarterback. So yeah, you're right, Washington... I'm, I'm trying to rank these guys in my head, and it is so difficult right now. I do think Washington cracks the top three with Aguilar and Hardman. I still think... I like Harbin enough for him to be number one because the explosive, the upside, the, the explosive potential there. in the short term. You know, um, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, I if you need agree. to pick somebody up and start him, and you need to guarantee someone who gets five catches this week, then you're probably picking up Aguilar. But if you're trying to hit a home run for the rest of the season, yep. you're absolutely going after Harbin. But. Uh, I don't know. If you're in a, a league with savvy owners, Hardman is not even close no, to being available no. in a 12-team league. Well, I wonder if this guy, Golden Tate, who is only owned in 35% of Yahoo mm-hmm. leagues, is also owned in the savvy owner league that you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I feel much He's more, owned by me. <laughs> yeah, I feel much more optimistic about his prospects now with Daniel Jones as the starting quarterback that you'd imagine mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future for the Giants than I did with Eli Manning. I was fading Tate completely, and he was really had a pretty high draft stats, even for mm-hmm. a guy that was going to miss four games. We still have two more to go, right? Like yep. he's he's got to be out two more weeks. Um, but when he comes back, I think he actually falls into mm-hmm. a pretty prominent situation opposite Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, where he could be a 
uh, a potential receiving option, mm-hmm. kind of like Emmanuel Sanders, where yeah. he's old enough and he sneaks up on you. And oh wait, he just got 15 points. Yeah, he's a slot, especially in PPR leagues. He's a slot guy that's going to have some PPR utility. I don't think the quarterback situation really matters all that much to him because he's running the same role. It's short passes. Uh, you don't need to have a guy that's going to be you know supremely accurate on 20 yard passes down the field. He's not going to get a ton of 20 plus air yard targets. Uh, is what I'm saying here for uh, for Tate. But uh, uh, it does open up some really outstanding team name possibilities. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. You can get creative with that as you will. Um, but no, I drafted him as like wide receiver 5-6 with the hope of stashing him and, and it turning into something. And I haven't thought about cutting him. No. But I know other owners that saw all these really attractive waiver wire options out there in the last couple of weeks have probably cut him. And his ownership is down to 35%. Um, this is probably the last week you can get him for nothing is what I'm saying. I would agree. Because once we get to uh, you know week five and he's back, everyone you know everyone's gonna be like, oh, yeah, duh. He's out there. He's Golden Tate. You know, he's been a wide receiver 2-3 for most of his career when he's been with anything stable. And I guess it's arguable if the Giants are stable or not. But he's, um, I mean, if you don't don't need a receiver to start this very week, but you still want to make a receiver fab pickup, you could convince me that he's the number one pickup this week because of uh, rest of season, especially in a strict PPR format. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I I 100% agree with you. If you have an empty roster spot, whether it be... 10, 12, 14 leagues, whatever, or, or team leagues, I should say. Mm-hmm. I think he's worth, at this point now, picking up because you're only wasting two weeks of roster spots. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting one of us, and we wanted to point your attention to Golden Tate. I wish we could be more expansive about the tight ends and defenses to pick up. It's just not a great-looking week overall for that. Obviously, everyone was in on Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson last week. Waller, mm-hmm. I think, had another pretty productive day. I guess I didn't see his final box score, but I know TJ Hawkinson did not, and I tried to tell everyone as best I could. The Chargers defense is really good against the tight ends. I feel like it fell on deaf ears. There's a lot of people upset that he didn't play off in DFS. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. guys, come on. Just look at the yeah. stats that we saw from the I didn't touch stats. him in DFS. I thought Waller was the better DFS yes. play. And he yes. had a did okay game okay. against the Chiefs. Right. Um, but well, yeah, Waller's still, I think his ownership's starting to dry up a little bit. I didn't even look that up for this week. Uh, I would guess it's in the 60s. Let's play name that ownership percentage. Oh, it's going to be 70s. Oh, it's 83%. Oh, there you Jeez. go. Yeah. Okay, so we don't even need to talk about him anymore. No. But the guys you mentioned, Jason Witten. Nah, he, no, I, mean, I didn't even mention him. Oh, I was going to say, get him? your puke buckets ready because we need to talk about Jason Witten, who's now scored touchdowns in consecutive games. Yes, the Monday night football analyst that turned football player uh, is, I guess, doing enough where you have to worry about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's if, a better player than an analyst. I'll give if, him that. If you <laughs> lost well, that, he couldn't do much worse as an analyst. Than player. If you lost Hunter Henry, and I did in a few different leagues, yes. thank God you hopefully had Mark Andrews. If you don't, uh, good luck. You want to talk about Witten? puke? I bid $11 on Vernon Davis and Stakely yeah. after losing Hunter Henry. Yeah, and, and Jordan Reed was out again for week two, and I quickly picked him up. Um, I don't know. I just... It's difficult. Will Disley might be the best option at tight end, and, and maybe it's not that bad. Like the, the puking option certainly needs to apply for Jason Witten, but I don't know. Disley had five catches, 50 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, I think Mario had wrote a, an article recapping Sunday's games and talking about how it's impressive, the injury that he was able to overcome. And I, I, it was like a patella tear or something like that, just Ooh, obviously something that, that, that should. sound brutal. And it was only a week two thing, and he was able to come back and be effective. The Seahawks actually passed the ball last week, and that normally doesn't happen, which is why I'm a little bit uncomfortable going after Disley. But if you are in need of a tight end, and I know a few, I know a few leagues that I am. Disley's probably a name that I'm going to consider, and I, I might be a little bit aggressive in terms of maybe throwing five or six dollars out uh, in a hundred budget leagues and, and trying to get my guy that. If you hit gold, he's going to give you maybe eight to ten points per game. That's all you need if you don't have the Ertz, Kelsey, Kittle, mm-hmm. or Andrews combination. That's fair enough. And I, I did want to 
discussed, you talked, you you put Hayden Hurst down here. Uh, backup Ravens tight ends are interesting only because Lamar Jackson something along the lines at twenty four for twenty seven for a boatload of yards and a couple of touchdowns when targeting tight ends this year. Something about Lamar Jackson and the tight ends is working wonderful. Obviously, Mark Andrews is getting a lot of that, but Mark Andrews looked like he. I mean. He looked like he hurt himself a little bit. He's probably going to show up on the injury report this week. He was on it last week, too. Yeah, so he's a guy that uh, if he gets banged up, which, you know, tight ends are prone to do, the backups, uh, you know, whether it be Hayden Hurst or whether it be Nick Boyle, um, the the Baltimore tight end backups are interesting because while they have Hollywood Brown, the receiving core is not super deep, and we know it's a position Lamar Jackson likes to target. So, uh, uh, again... We want to service everybody in the deepest of leagues, and yeah. and that you you know those we, guys. We, we if you need at, to, we scoffed at uh, handcuffing running backs. It really would feel weird for me to say, "Let's go handcuff the tight end position." But mm-hmm. but it's Mark a tight Andrews, end that's already on the injury report. If Mark Andrews was to miss time, and again he he had he was pr- limited throughout the week last week, and we imagine it's mm-hmm. going to be the same thing again this week. Maybe Hayden Hurst comes in and ends up doing pretty well. He obviously was a first round pick. The Ravens thought highly of him, despite no one else thinking highly of him in in draft circles. So I don't know. It remains to be seen. The defenses also feel kind of like a hodgepodge of pickums. I told you about the Packers defense last week, but was not anticipating them doing very good against the Vikings. Other than Delvin Cook making a play and Jair Alexander just completely whiffing an interception that Stephon Diggs for caught for touchdown. That's a good defense. And mm-hmm. now they're going against the Broncos. I think they are by far the obvious pickup this week. And I wouldn't suggest benching them against the Eagles in that Thursday night contest that happens in week four. Again, this is why we were saying stash the defense. If you had a roster spot, there's some stash lucrative the there, there's some lucrative options coming. We're, get, we're getting off the rails here, man. <laughs> Handcuffing tight ends, stash this defense for two weeks ahead of time. We've clearly done the show. I'm in some the deep shows leagues, ran Jake. a little I'm bit too long. Leagues. Shows ran too long. But uh, I don't know. The name that jumps out to me uh, Gardner Minshew, uh, so the Titans he defense. He didn't look bad. He didn't look good either. I mean, what they score? Twelve points, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so Titans defense. Great. Except the only thing is it's a road defense. So uh, they're on the road at Jacksonville, only thirty six percent owned. Uh, obviously, if you think if uh, you're listening to the show and you and you've hate listened to us the whole way through and think that Joe and I are both <laughs> full of it, uh, go ahead and pick up the 49ers against Mason Rudolph. They're only twenty percent owned. I'm seeing them come up in a lot of columns. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are finally going to be able to score. They need a win. They're obviously oh, yeah. a team that thinks they're going to win. You could almost, dare I say, call it a win or go home game for Pittsburgh because starting out zero and three with your with your quarterback out for the season, you're not you're not going on some kind of crazy rally there. Not you know, your division. playoff your playoff hopes are toast. So uh, um, I think they're going to be doing fine. But the 49ers are a defense you'll see on a lot of them. And you have the Eagles against yeah. the Lions. And the more I 50%. think about it, I'm not sure I like that because they've been they've been eaten up by the passing game. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Stafford and company can move the ball throwing it if they want to. They've been more of a run heavy team but they can move the ball throwing so mm-hmm. they're under 50 percent owned they could get a sack or two stafford might throw a dumb yeah. pick that's mm-hmm. again it's so not moral of the story packers defense 20 percent go pack go play all the, the play, play the sound but no, i'm just kidding we don't have producers <laughs> here oh that would be great that would make my job so much easier well that does it for the tuesday edition of the rotoware nfl podcast uh that's sponsored by yahoo dfs we'll be back in next week talking more pickups hopefully less quarterbacks overall do you want to give the listeners a little bit of a, a plug for rating or reviewing the podcast though you're always way better than i am oh obviously i love you guys if you rate and review the podcast uh, th- that's the biggest thing that can help us a little bit so uh um 
send him my love, man. I, I don't have a contest or anything this week, but if we helped you, all I asked, if we help you with one pickup and it turns out to help in your league, just drop a review in. That's all we ask for in return for the free pod. So, uh, of course, we love the listeners. Uh, love doing the show. Got a little heated this week, and hopefully we can con- continue to do so because that gets some fun. So definitely uh, at JB Fantasy Sports, at Roto Jake, plug those as well. Rotowire.com slash pod for 10 days, no credit card required. Um, check out the stuff on Rotowire. I mean, there's an article to complement this podcast. Yes. Weekly rankings are going to be very, very interesting this week with all the quarterback changes and how that affects the rest of the positions. Jerry's streaming defense article is money. We didn't get to spend a lot of time on that today, but I know Every one of Jerry's I know, articles I know, is money. Yes, I know he will. Yep, and he does his start sit article too. Just excellent. Yeah. So check all that stuff out, rotowire.com slash And he just wrote one about uh, receiving yardage and percentages and then and air yards too, and it's it's far too smart for me, but man, it looks really good on paper, and I love reading that. I, I, I always fail at saying Jerry's last name, so I won't even bother, but definitely check him out on Twitter and his stuff on Rotowire. Until then, uh, best of luck with your lineups.